Hello, Rita. How are you doing? I'm okay. You can hear my voice. I'm a bit sick. What about you? I'm fine. Uh, we're under the weather. <laughs> anyway, and it's autumn, so it's, uh, you can easily have four seasons in a single day. We have to live with that. So basically, uh, Naples is like Miami, right? <laughs> At this time of the year, pretty much so. <laughs> okay. Cool. So... Last week we had Kari with us. Wasn't that amazing? Yeah, it was a, a, a honor for us, but it was also a huge uh, experience. And I guess we all l- learned quite a lot from, uh, from that interview. Definitely. But that gave us a lot of ideas. So one of the latest videos of Easy German was a collaboration with a totally new channel, which is Easy Brazilian Portuguese, right? Yeah. Congratulations to the Easy Portuguese uh, team. Uh, Yeah, I look forward to more and more videos from that channel. I love it. Yeah, same here. So what was the topic? They made a collaboration about um, what people from Brazil think about Germans and what people in Germany uh, think about Brazilians. (laughs) And that was quite funny. There were some highlights there, right? Yeah, well, the the thing is, I cannot think of two... uh, people that are more distant on the stereotypical scale, <laughs> you know. Than Brazilians and Germans, right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, but there was something really funny that I'm ashamed also of. And I'm like, <laughs> why are they talking about that? Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, is that football? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that seven one to one. I'm like, what? <laughs> Not everyone, but there were quite a few uh, people saying... Sieben zu eins. <laughs> and even in Brazil, yeah. uh, you know, people remember that, of course, on the, on the opposite side. And yeah, I think it was a national tragedy <laughs> for Brazil to lose uh, like that uh, in Brazil, in the most uh, historical stadium in all of Brazil. Yeah. And I'm a huge football fan. And so I know all about uh, defeats that happened in Maracanã. <laughs> So the first historical one was like the first World Cup that they could win at home and they lost the final against Uruguay mm. at Maracanã. <laughs> so it was like relieving that tragedy just multiplied by seven. It was terrible. <laughs> Enough about football, uh, Rita. Uh, I would like to know your opinion uh, on one thing. We know that, of course, German people are different than Brazilian people. It's culture. Language is part of the culture. But what about uh, people like us, let's say foreigners, uh, who learn uh, maybe both German and Portuguese? Do you think there is a difference in our personality when we speak one or the other? Definitely. I mean, personally, it's funny. I'm I'm a very loud person. And I feel like when I speak Norwegian or German, I speak a bit lower. And I tend to speak a bit slower also not that only because my German and my Norwegian are far from being perfect but also because I feel like kind of I want to adapt you know to a certain set of norms that are acceptable in that culture yeah I realize that what about you I think the languages you know kind of force us to behave differently I don't think we are a completely different person when we are speaking a foreign language I think specific languages can You know, we have different shades in our personality and maybe specific languages prefer one shade instead of the other. It's still us. It's still our own personality. It's still a trait of our personality. But but maybe in this case, when we speak Brazilian Portuguese, we tend to be more extroverted 
uh, compared to when we try and speak, for example, German. And I think it relates also to the structure of the language. For example, you know how, especially in secondary phrases in German, the verb goes at the end. So you really have to think about what you are going to say. You have to have the you have to have the whole phrase in your mind before you say that, unless you are very fluent and you can do that at the same time. It's not my case. While in Brazilian Portuguese and most other Romans language, for us that come from you know Romans uh, countries, uh, it's much more spontaneous for for me at least. So when I speak Brazilian Portuguese, I do not I do not have to think that much. I just say whatever comes to my mind, and so it's more spontaneous rather than constructive. Yeah, that's interesting. I I really I don't agree totally like about just being shades of of personality. It might maybe depend on the level we are in a language. If it's a new language we are just learning and we don't maybe um, we don't feel so confident, that might be true. But if Like I, f I believe like language is one of the, you know, our greatest ability maybe or one of our greatest abilities as a human being, right? And since it's like, you know, as you know, words are not mere objects. We we have like, it's kind of something that kind of relate to um, like string together concept, value, so many things. And these kind of unconscious stuff comes to our mind when we talk a different language. It's kind of a trigger to a new personality, I feel like. In my case, I'm not just changing just my tone of voice, like the voice or or just my gestures. I feel like I'm completing my perception of the world around me is so different. There are certain things that I might perceive and see that I don't when I speak German or what I see completely differently when I speak Chinese, let's say, or Arabic. Um, and for example, Arabic and Portuguese are both like heritage native languages for me. I speak them both well, very well. And I feel like I'm very different in both languages when I see other people, when I behave with them. So for me, it's not just a trait of personality. It's completely another person who who comes, you know, out. Uh, so really, so you speak, what, 10 languages and there are 10 different readers in the world? <laughs> I'm completely schizophrenic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to meet all of them. And I, I will, actually. I am meeting uh, all of them one by one. Uh, nice to meet you. Uh, but, but yeah, <laughs> I, you you told me um, last week, you and Kylie told me that I have a different voice. Yes. Uh, when I will speak German, for example. You sound so Austrian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll take it as a compliment. It is, it is. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, uh, I wouldn't, uh, I understand that for you, it totally changes the personality. Uh, I, I, I'm not totally comfortable with that. <laughs> happening to me i still like to think that i'm still a failure <laughs> it's just you know different maybe voice maybe a trait of a personality that shines mm -hmm. more or less but it's still me yeah i don't want to lose my personality <laughs> but you don't lose it it's just quieter you know i do have a question for you um do you think imitation plays a role in this you know creating a new personality when speaking a foreign language no definitely because in the beginning when you're like just trying to acquire a new language if you want to feel you know more confident sometimes even if your level of, of like speaking or even reading or understanding is not so high sometimes behaving like by acting kind of or imitating other people or mimicking their their ways um makes it easier for them kind of to recognize you as not a foreigner, therefore they talk to you or speak to you in that language. So you can kind of learn more things 
in a natural manner like a child would do. If you feel com comfortable being kind of, let's say, not being able to, you know, uh, express yourself easily as you would do in your own language or in other, any other language you speak perfectly. So it's kind of really important to do that. But at some point, while you do that and you kind of fake it, until you make it, <laughs> you kind of convince yourself and your brain that this is part of you and who you are. So that way you don't like naturally you don't stop in every obstacle, like words you don't know or verbs or whatever. You kind of let this all out of the way and you just repeat and talk and try, you know? And I feel like that, that plays a big role. Yeah, definitely. What about you? It, it definitely happened to me while learning Japanese uh, that, uh, you know, as a culture, you would never talk about yourself uh, in uh, in a high way, mm, you know. You have to be humble. You, should, you have to be very humble, especially when you talk about <laughs> yourself. So even if you are, you know, very fluent in Japanese, uh, and I'm not, but you always have to tell, no, no, I'm very bad at Japanese. <laughs> I'm very bad at Japanese. It's, you know, it has to become a trait of your personality because yeah. otherwise it, you would not kind of fit in that culture. If you go to Japan and you are a cocky, can we say cocky? Cocky, yeah, cocky. You can go ahead and say it. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's harder to be, you know, kind of accepted in the Japanese society. So you learn, when you learn you, uh, I always say that you also learn by imitation. So you not only imitate the pronunciation, the tone, but you also imitate the, um, the, the way you talk about things and the way you talk about yourself. And that helps you fit in, kind of. Definitely. And that reminds me of something. Like, you know, we like two episodes ago, we spoke about idioms and stuff like that. These things are representation of, you know, social norms, of representations, of beliefs, of values, of things that are important to certain societies. Um, let's say there is a world that is like in Korean, nunchi, which I, I don't speak Korean, huh, guys. So it's something that people explain as being kind of a sixth sense, an instinct, but something that you have to have to feel the other persons in front of you, the vibe, how they are, so that you can kind of achieve harmony by behaving the right way towards them, you know? And that says a lot about the words we use in certain languages that we might not have in others, you know? So when you speak a language and you kind of understand, you kind of make your way to that culture, as you said, in Japan, trying to be more humble and everything, you might, you know, stumble upon certain expressions that don't exist in other languages that kind of express that idea, you know, of being humble and that helps you kind of have that behavior. And that I found, I find wonderful. Rita, when you were mentioning that, uh, is the word nonchi? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I immediately thought, you know, and it's translation, I immediately thought about a TV series uh, on Netflix. Uh -huh. So a recommendation of the week. <laughs> what is it? it it's called Sense8, mm -hmm. where instead of, you know, A-T-E at the end, you have the number eight. And it's basically eight people from all around the world that are interconnected. So at, at some point in their lives, uh, they start feeling what the other seven are feeling. All right. And that, that kind of wraps it up, I think, because it's, uh, it's like the eight cents. Uh, and the fact that we are all connected, even though we, are, we have different cultures and we are located in different parts of the world, plus 
the final episodes were shot in Naples and I had the opportunity to meet the characters. Wow, that's amazing. No way. Absolutely. So everyone go ahead and watch that um, series because while mainly in English, you have characters from all over the world speaking their uh, native language, uh, especially at the beginning. So it's a, in a way, it's a multilingual TV series and I love the message. Cool. That's really awesome. So maybe we can go ahead and talk about untranslatable words of the week. There's quite a few in Portuguese, right? Especially from Brazilian Portuguese. Yeah, actually, the first one is not only Brazilian Portuguese, but yeah, maybe Brazilian Portuguese made it more kind of renowned and famous. So maybe you want to go ahead and share with our audience, um, listeners, yeah, it's what it is? Saudade. Saudade. What is that? O que é isso? O que é saudade? É, o que, que é saudade? É, quer falar em português agora? <laughs> no, we'll speak Portuguese later in our bonus, uh, where, yeah, we have to do that for approximately 10, 15 minutes. So get ready. No, it, this is not the uh, right time to speak Portuguese. Just sprinkle some <laughs> Portuguese words. We will do. So saudade for me is kind of a, a very interesting word because... And the Portuguese-speaking word is kind of, oh, very famous for being so untranslatable, directly, at least in English. Uh, it's a mixture between mm, melancholy, nostalgia, mm, longing for people, a loved one, for a place, for past events that might have sparked joy in us. And sometimes, funnily enough, for even things that not have happened yet, you know? It's like, I don't know, that's saudade. Does it make sense to you? Uh, yeah, it's a broader sense of, you know, feeling the fact that you are missing something. Yeah, or someone. <laughs> or someone uh, in your life or in that moment. Uh, you know, in day-to-day -day conversations, it's generally translated with, I miss you, like, thank you, saudade de você, I miss you. But the, the whole meaning is a lot more subtle. Yeah, and there is um, a definition that I found online that is quite famous also for the... Portuguese-speaking people, uh, from a an author, a renowned Portuguese author from the 17th century, I think, something like that, Manuel de Melo, who says that saudade is bem que se padece, mal que se desfruta, which literally means a pleasure you suffer, an ailment you enjoy. And I find it wonderful to describe this feeling, you know? Yeah, the contrast, it's, uh, it perfectly defines it. But I have another one for you, and I'm... I'm interested in knowing if you know it or not. It's cafuné. Do you know what it means? Cafuné. I, I heard it um, in colloquial speech, but um, mm -hmm. I never really understood what it meant. And uh, actually, we have a very similar word in Italian and Neapolitan. Uh -huh. uh, but um, I, I don't think it's related at all. Cafuné. Okay, well, there is another word, <laughs> cafona, in Portuguese. Uh, but what is it in Italian or in Neapolitan then? Because I don't know that word. Cafona, it means uh, a rough person, an uneducated person. Uh, yeah, cafona <laughs> is the same in Portuguese, but it's not the same word. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah, someone who does not have good manners uh, in, a, in a way. And we also call pane cafona, bread. So we have some sort of bread, which is very popular, especially in the uh. South. And we call it pane cafone, which means a <laughs> okay. kind of peasant's bread. Like <laughs> Because it's hard? It's harder? It's a bit harder on the outside, but it's uh, so widespread uh, in the south of Italy. 
Wow, that's really interesting to learn that. But no, it has nothing to do with that. <laughs> it's a kind of, um, you know, when you have somebody's laying on you and like a loved one and you put your fingers and your nails on their skull or head and then you kind of scratch it or gently caress it. That's a kafune in order to help them sleep. Oh. It's very sweet. Kafune. That's a romantic. Right? And I, I found something online. Uh, unfortunately, it's like um, an anonymous person who wrote that saying kind of about kafune. Um, that is, quando seus dedos encontram o atalho para o meu coração. Literally means, it, this is when your fingers find the, the shortcut to my heart. You know, when you do oh, that. Oh, Rita, you want to make me cry. <laughs> No, that, that should spark joy. At the end of this episode, I'll go to the flower shop, buy a bunch of roses and bring it to my wife. You should. <laughs> I'm feeling so romantic right now. <laughs> so it's not going to stop there because there is another word for you that is quite romantic, which is shodda. Do you know what mean, that it means? Uh, I have no idea, to be honest. Uh, but you told me it's related to this. So I would, I would say it's the loved one. It's a way to call your loved one. Yes, Whoa. bravo. Bravo. Congratulations. So it's kind of a loved, but it's funny. It's not only your loved one, Shodó. Well, it's used in, in all Brazil, but mostly in north, northeastern Brazil, like Nordeste. And, and it means, it could be, for example, my nephew. I could say, meu sobrinho é meu Shodó. You know, it's my sweetheart, my loved one. It doesn't have to be my lover, you know. Uh, you can even say that about your pet. <laughs> You can just say, ah, eu ti, tipo, tipo, eu tinha um cachorrinho, ele era meu xodó, you know, because I loved him so much. He was my xodó, my little dog, you know. So it's quite funny. It's a word that encompasses a lot of love for people, for things, for, I don't know. I think it's really interesting and it's kind of intranslatable. Yeah. I'll start using that uh, in my day-to-day -day life. That's really cool. And there is even a song, and I'm sorry for your ears, guys, because I really sing badly. I'm not trying to find any reason also because I have a really bad voice. But there is a very, very famous song in Brazil um, in the Bahian style, uh, which is quite famous, that says, Que falta eu sinto de um bem, que falta me faz um xodó. Mas como eu não tenho ninguém, eu levo a vida assim tão só. Eu só quero um amor que acabe o meu sofrer. Um xodó pra mim, do meu jeito assim, que alegre o meu viver. And I think it's a wonderful song. And it helps you learn that. Thank, Rita, you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I did not. <laughs> it's I, raining in Naples, right? So it's not my fault. It was already raining there. <laughs> I did not expect this. And I feel like I should have uh, paid a ticket <laughs> in order to listen to you singing this song. I was. You're making so much fun of me. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to, to grab my guitar and start, you know, strumming, strumming along. Uh, Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. We should be doing that next time. You sing very well and your Portuguese is amazing. So you should definitely record uh, uh, an album. <laughs> Thank you. You see how he's teasing me. Uh, but no, honestly, it's really great because this is bringing us literally to our next section. The whole thing, you know, about singing songs in a foreign language uh, reminded me of... Uh, when I learned Portuguese, uh, or even Spanish, or even English. All of them <laughs> at the end. Not all of them, uh, but these three. Yeah, maybe German as well, <laughs> a little bit. But this, especially the first three, uh, music definitely played a big role 
in my language learning process. I did not start by you know listening to 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 the songs and trying to guess the meaning. I first tried to learn the language, and then I was trying to kind of have fun with the language by listening to the song. And Brazilian Portuguese, of course, uh, uh, there's a lot of songs uh, that have made the history of music, uh, like, of course, uh, A Garota de Ipanema. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so many, I have, you know, full albums uh, with that music. Uh, you just can't help, you know, clapping along or singing along. So I had to learn the, the words and learning the lyrics uh-huh. uh, le- lets you kind of unlocks a lot of vocabulary that you don't find in the in in the language courses definitely and also kind of what is amazing about that thing is that music i mean you can bring it anywhere you want right you can have music in your phone you can sing anytime you want you can have you don't have to be sitting there you know and studying in kind of very conventional way and what is really cool about that is that music stuck in your gets stuck in your head right So those words kind of get stuck also in your head. And for me personally, it makes it so easy, like, I mean, so easy to remember things, even in languages that sometimes words are hard for me, even in Norwegian, while I don't find Norwegian particularly difficult as a language in itself, but some words I'm like, I have so much difficulty remembering. And then when I sing a song along and alone and repeating that at at home and doing other things, when somebody uses that word, I'm like, yeah, I know what it means. It's so natural, you know? So... I think it's really pretty cool. I think it brings your language learning to the next level when you can understand the words from a song or when you read along while listening to songs. It it, uh, it elevates your language learning journey. You, you just said it beautifully. It elevates it, definitely. Music. I mean, you're a musician. You said you play guitar, right? I wouldn't say I'm a musician. Are you being Japanese? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but... I learned to play guitar uh, okay. 20 years ago. <laughs> okay, so you enjoy playing guitar? Exactly, exactly. Okay. I would I would put it like that. I I, I know most chords. Uh-huh. Uh I'm so I would be able to play rhythm guitar in in a band, but I wouldn't say that I'm I, I'm not Gilberto Gil <laughs> uh, <laughs> or, <laughs> or Roberto Carlos and, and all those yeah. you know amazing Brazilian guitar uh, players. Rita, I think music and languages uh, it's a link that we'll have to discuss in the future as well. We just cannot avoid it, uh, so we'll talk extensively in the future as well. Uh, but now I want to tell you that we got a beautiful message from one of our listeners. Hey guys, my name is Andrew. Um, I'm from the United States and my native language is English. And over the past few years, I've been learning German. Um, And something that I've learned along the way, besides the language itself, is that when you learn a foreign language, it can become a part of your identity. Um, You know, you spend so much time in that language, absorbing information, meeting people, learning about their culture. And all of that is something that you carry with you and it really can become a part of you. You know, it's such a huge decision. And so my question for you guys is, how did you decide which languages you wanted to learn and what was your motivation for doing that? Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Andrew. A great, uh, uh, great message and a very good question. It's it's as if uh, uh, Andrew was listening to our current episode where we talked about (laughs) language and identity. (laughs) Definitely. It's a deep, deep question, actually. But why is it that we learn? Well, I will start with why is it not that we learn other languages? I mean, for myself, at least. 
um, kind of the first thing that comes to mind usually when you want to learn another language or foreign language is, oh, it makes my life easier. I can get a better job. That's not why I do that. Um, it, of course, could help, but it's not the first thing. It could be either family uh, or heritage kind of language or something related. Or if outside of that circle, um, it could be just simply because uh, you're interested in experiencing the world differently. Like we said, you know, you can truly get to know a culture and understand how people behave this or that way. Like, for instance, Chinese. I had a lot of Chinese friends before, but as any foreigner, sometimes they would do something or say something and I'll be like, that's kind of a bit different or shocking from any culture I come from originally. And then when I started learning Mandarin, and my Mandarin is far from being perfect, but still it gave me an insight on why and how they, they do things, you know? And I kind of started being more accepted in that sense. So it makes my world more, you know, richer, more colorful. That's what I would say. You I had a plan. <laughs> I had a plan from the beginning. <laughs> I've always been very uh, curious about uh, foreign languages and people from other parts of the world. So I remember when I was a kid trying to speak with uh, American kids that came to Italy for their holidays and I wanted to have conversations with them. So that kind of was the sparkle together with music that I wanted not only to listen, but also to understand. Um, and then I realized that, you know, there were things all around the world happening and I wanted to uh, have experience of that in a deeper way, not only through translations, but, you know, reading the actual articles or the books or, uh, listening to TV shows or watching, uh, football games with the actual commentary from that uh, country so I realized that I wanted to enrich my language uh, package in a way. And so at one point I decided, all right, I'm going to learn as many languages as I can. Of course, it's a, a huge uh, goal. <laughs> so I had to make a plan to make it feasible. This is maybe a little tip that we that I can give everyone. To never think about, you know, the big, huge goal at the end. Break it down into smaller chunks that are achievable that makes the whole uh, project uh, more uh, sustainable and enjoyable. And so at one point I said, all right, I'm going to learn one language every year or so. And uh, I made a list based on uh, what, what were the countries or the cultures that attracted me the most uh, or uh, the languages that were most useful in the field that I wanted to work in, which was uh, the tourism to travel or to welcome travelers uh, in my country. Um, and, and yeah, it kind of went from being a passion to an obsession. <laughs> so the more languages I added, the more I wanted to add. And uh, so at some point I had to make a decision uh, between you know harder languages that require a lot of time and easier languages that are easier for me because I have already learned other languages that are similar. And I started juggling <laughs> uh, in, in a way. And uh, yeah, that, that brought me to learn the languages, uh, to study at least the languages that I have studied. So it's a, a combination of uh, culture, uh, uh, difficulty of the language, and uh, you know, 
use a uh, daily use, you know, potential daily use in your personal life, but also professional life. That's really interesting because like, I feel like what separates us mostly in here, at least until now, it's about the, um, the kind of professional part, even though I, I of course used all my languages professionally, but that wasn't my motivation, but it was really cute when you spoke in the beginning about, you know, you as a kid trying to communicate with others, you know, and, And go and like having that, as I said in the beginning, that different experience with them and being able to communicate and talk to them. That's what I lived with German. It's funny because that's really the really the only way that made me keep up with my German and school and everything is to be able to kind of understand those kids that I met in, during my holidays also. So I love that we have that in common. And what you said about um, the literature and things, being able to read things in, you know, the, the, that language makes totally sense. The part about um the part about kind of learning maybe kind of deciding uh and discriminating between the languages um uh, based on difficulty that makes definitely sense. I'm really lazy person, so I'm I have to be honest. So I started also Norwegian, Swedish, uh because it's closer Look to German than Hungarian is, you know. Yeah, we're cheating. We're cheating. <laughs> we're cheating totally. <laughs> so yes, I relate to that definitely. <laughs> to me, for example, uh, after struggling for two or three years with Japanese, I I really felt the need, you know, of needing to succeed in another foreign language. So, for example, after Japanese, I decided to tackle Catalan. Because I had a huge advantage in terms of being able already to speak Italian, French, and Spanish, and Neapolitan. And Portuguese. And Portuguese. Um, and so uh, I'm in love with Barcelona. <laughs> we'll talk about that for sure in the future. And, and so that was an easy decision. But it was right after struggling massively with, with another language. Uh, and for me, it was Japanese. But I love that. That's a really cool tip also to say to people. There is no shame in, you know, sometimes changing the, the course of things. And if you need a kind of a little push in motivation, you know, so that you can keep on with the, like, you know, the big picture, as you said, you have a huge goal, you're having small little steps to get there so that to make things easier for you. But then you realize, mm, maybe this one is too much for now. There is no shame to stop in for some time and pausing and, you know, doing something else that make you more alive and happier, you know, and keep your passion alive, right? Absolutely. Keep the fire alive. That's the key. Yeah, that's really cool. Well, we're getting at the end of our episode here. It was a very interesting one. And, uh, you know, I haven't said it so far, so I will say it at the end. No, I hope nobody gets mad at me for saying that everyone has a favorite language. All right. Mm -hmm. Some people say that French is the most romantic language in the world. <laughs> I think that Richinia today with a few untranslatable words showed us <laughs> and i can absolutely confirm that that brazilian portuguese can easily beat that to me is the most musical <laughs> and uh, enjoyable <laughs> language that i've learned it's kind of my favorite language is it the same for you uh, i cannot say it's not one of my favorite languages and i cannot say and i cannot not confirm that it's definitely for me it's more a love language than French, which is also my language. Um, funny enough, I have that relation with it more related to, to, to love than French is, which is more rational to me, actually, than other most people would think. But um, I have other... I, I wouldn't say it's the only favorite language I have because I feel like they all have a very important part in my heart. 
And since, as I told you in the beginning, I have different personalities in certain languages that I at least, you know, speak well. I'm not talking about the ones I'm not so good in. I, I really would have a hard time to say it's the only one. Yeah. No, Rita, I will not allow that. Choose <laughs> one. Tell me right now. No, one that's language. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but it's a challenge. And you, uh, yeah, when you learn languages, you have to face challenges. <laughs> Choose one. I, I'm like a child in, in those kind of Asian restaurants where you can have all you want to eat, you know? <laughs> That's why I go there because I have troubles choosing, <laughs> you see. So I'm really happy having that choice. And I don't want you to put me in that situation. No. Well, okay. For today, I'll say Portuguese. Claro, Portuguese. Claro. But you know, again, it depends. You know, I, I, I don't want to be offending anybody. I mean, as also Brazilian, uh, I, you, could, you could be saying like Brazilian Portuguese is better or sounds better than European Portuguese. There are so many accents in Brazil I, I'm not so fan of, you know, I'm fond of. The one we hear that is very chanting like song, sing song and you know like I don't know how to say that in English properly but it's like really not the one that everybody speaks in Brazil there are certain accents that I really don't like and there are some songs of old you know singers in Portuguese European Portuguese that I love personally so and a lot of people say no it sounds so I don't know it comes from the throat and we don't like it I'm really fun of that still. So I don't know. I really love other languages and love languages. I mean, Arabic, a lot of people seem to see, hear Arabic as very harsh language, <laughs> you know, and I totally get that. But when I hear a poem, a poetry or a song in beautiful old Arabic, for me, this is gorgeous. And should I say that this is more gorgeous than Portuguese songs or the other way around? Not at all. They are both amazing. This is the way that the gods gave us, or a god or nobody or the universe, whatever you want to think, <laughs> you know, uh, gave us to express our love towards each other and the planet and where we live and, and express life in this amazing experience we have in this mattress we are in, you know. So I feel like I, I cannot choose, really. But I understand. Today we spoke about Portuguese oh, yeah. a lot. Of and course. Portuguese is a love language. Sing. <laughs> All right, Rita. Um, thanks for your insights into the Portuguese languages. It was a very uh, cool episode. Uh, I'm not sure we should say that about our own episodes. <laughs> That's not but, very Japanese of us. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but yeah, I would say it's time has come for us to, uh, you know, uh, record a bonus in Portuguese. All right. So this is one of the bonus. Yay! Bonuses? I, I never know if bonus has a plural in uh, English because in, in Latin, I guess it would be boni, boni. I would say bonuses, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I think it's one of those uh, words that uh, just forms a regular. Let us know, uh, native English speakers, please let us know if bonus has a plural. But anyway, the perks that, you know, uh, members of our own community, the Easy Languages podcast community, uh, get. Uh, uh, they get this multilingual bonus every week. We try and speak different languages with guests or without guests, or uh, we mix languages. Uh, and it's not the only perk that uh, our supporters get. Do you remember any other? Of course. Each month you can get an extra episode, for example. What else can we get, Raf? Uh, yeah, there's also a, a live Q&A with me and Rita or me or Rita and we'll try and make it uh, a monthly uh, meeting where we answer your questions. But there's also another way for you to send your questions. 
And that's by Vocal Messaging Us. So you can go to www.easy-languages.org slash podcast and you will find a little mic icon where you can send your voice message. And as you see, we are always very happy to play them during our episode and comment on that. So flood us with questions, please. Yes, we're waiting for you. And see you next week. I'll see you. Até logo. Até logo.